Awesome. Um, well, this morning I want to, my message uh, is mainly uh, based upon identity. Um, I believe that identity is significant uh, to who we are um, as human beings, and I believe that the majority of us, and including myself, um, have a habit of judging people. Um, uh, have a habit of judging people uh, based upon what we choose to wear and, and what others choose to wear as well. Um, fashion designer Rachel Zoe said, "Style is a way to say who you are without having to speak." I think the fact I'm wearing a Highlanders scarf is, a, is saying this morning that I like the Highlanders. I will say that I'm not the most passionate person about the Highlanders, but I do enjoy them. Um, and also on the, on the front of the Meridian um, in Dunedin, um, there's a clothing shot that says, Even in a constant state of confusion, people will assume you know what you are doing if you're well-dressed. One time, um, one time I actually, um, I went to, I was, I wasn't supposed to be doing um, camera work for, for news um, that day, but I was walking to the studio to um, do some studio work, and suddenly uh, I get the message spanner, hey, we need you to go down to the art gallery so you can interview the Prime Minister, and um, I wasn't well dressed that day, <laughs> and everyone was wearing suits and whatnot, and everyone was looking fly, and um, and then I just rock up with my with my ja- with my jacket and uh, my fat pants on, with a Superman T-shirt on underneath, and um, yeah, no, everyone everyone didn't think I was the most professional that day. <laughs> um, but also, there's a study um, by Professor Karen Pine um, from the psychology department at the University of Hertfordshire in Britain. She found that 57% of women admitted to wearing a baggy top when depressed, compared to 2% of women wearing, wearing one when feeling happy. Similarly, 62% would wear a favourite dress when happy, compared to 6% when sad. I'll read it again. 57% admitted to wearing a baggy top when depressed, whereas 62% would wear a dress, or would wear their favourite dress when happy. Now, I'm not sharing this to, um, to talk about how women dress, but to say as a society and as a race, we all do it to a degree. I know that when I'm feeling lazy, and then when I'm, gonna, when I'm not going to see anyone that day, my go-to pants are my fat pants. Because my, my outward or my inward expression is... A, oh, let me get this right. I go, because as I wear them, my inward feelings is reflected outwardly. I'm feeling lazy that day, so I'm going to show that I'm lazy that day. I don't care what, what, if I'm going to be seeing anyone, I'm, I'm feeling lazy. <laughs> i got my fat pants on. So, with, so by going with that, when someone... Oh, yeah, so by going with that, when someone feels like trash and, we put, and they put on trash... We see them covered in trash. So how do we respond to that? Or would, what would happen if we put on trash and we look like trash? How do we interact with others? What we wear is an outward reflection of what's going on on the inside. However, I will agree that the theory is not 100% sound. And I need everyone to know that as you walk into this place, you step into a house of freedom. A place with rich understanding that as a community, we need to love God as much as we love ourselves and our neighbours. 
This is a house of love. If you need prayer, if you need support, if you need help, we as a church and as a family will not abandon you in your time of need. It's not in Christ's nature, and it's not in the Father's nature, therefore as the bride of Christ, we declare it's not our nature to be judgmental. Just like the Father, we will always choose to love, no matter your occupation, your history, your prison, or even what you look like. This is the house of the Lord, and that chooses to prioritize love before anything else. But the reason I choose to talk about judgment and what we wear is simply because even this is, this is a house of love. When you step out these doors, you enter into a world of judgment and condemnation. A world where society chooses to put you in a box as fast as they can so they can have an understanding of you with as little time as possible to choose whether or not they want to continue to have further interactions with you. This is why first impressions are so important. They say that the average job interview is already decided within the first 20 seconds of the interview. First impressions are important. So if what, if what we wear helps to decide what impression is imprinted on, onto people around us, then we have to consciously decide what we put on. In Ephesians 6, Paul gives out a series of commands for the people to do, such as love your, love your parents, love your kids, love and, and love other people and whatnot. But then he, gives this, then he starts going on about something else. He, say, he says in 13 to 16 of chapter 6, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand firm. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit in all occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep praying for the Lord's people. For me, growing up, I really thought this was a cool passage. I really loved it. I really loved armor and I really loved the thought of being in a battle. Whenever I pictured the armor, I always got this image of like Iron Man, this impenetrable suit uh, that would stop everything in its track. Well, yes, it is. it's designed to be an impenetrable suit that will stop all the enemy um, coming against you. But if we put it into this, but if we were all to put on this incredible piece of armor, we would all need a copy of it, right? If we take a step back to, to verse, and look at verse 12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh, and verse 12 it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. To stop a mighty unseen force, I believe we need to have a mighty unseen force ourselves. I believe that whatever God gives us, He does not put weight on top of us, but allows us to grow. So therefore, we might not be able to see the armor of God, and because God doesn't burden us, we might not be able to feel it either. But on top of that, I don't think we can really taste, smell, or hear it. But the reality is, is like, like our belief in God, even though we may not see it in the natural, we can see the effects of it. So even though you may not see what I'm wearing, you can see the effects of, of what the armor of God is doing. 
So today I'm going to cover three out of the six items. I'm choosing these three items because I believe they tackle um, identity more um, so than the others. I think the other three are great for, for, for other, or they both work and they're designed to work all together. Um, I think they're great for, for when you're in the battle, but these three I want to focus on in terms of our identity this morning. The first one I want to talk about is the helmet of salvation. I believe salvation is on our heads because we need to know that we have it in our heads. Um, We need as a church to have an understanding that we are actually saved. That no matter what the enemy tells us, through our belief in him, our mind knows that we are saved. I also believe that salvation needs to be on our mind consistently. As a church, I don't believe in wallowing in our shame and our guilt and and the bad things that we've done. But I believe we need to be reminded that our Father has saved what our Father has done for us, that He's delivered us from where we've been, and we're in a new place of salvation. We as humans muck up all the time. I muck up all the time. <laughs> but God's salvation reminds us that we have salvation. A definition that Google spat me last night is that deliverance from salvation? Is that salvation is deliverance from sin and its consequences, believed by Christians to be brought about through faith. Through faith, our salvation exists. Through the Father, our salvation exists. Through the Son, our salvation is real. We all need deliverance on a daily basis. We all need His grace, His mercy, and His forgiveness. In Luke nine twenty three, Jesus says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross to follow me daily. If we want to do life well, and if we want to develop, we've got to keep our salvation at the center of our mind. When it says to take up your cross daily, uh, it talks about dying to self. I know for a fact that sometimes I have ideas and thoughts and plans that run wild in my mind, but the reality is, is that sometimes I need to question myself and ask, is this honoring my salvation? Because the devil knows that if he can manipulate my thoughts, if he can distract me from my salvation, he might not be able to take. He won't be able to take. He might not be able to take it away. But if he can distract me from my salvation, he can distract me from my calling. He can distract me from my supernatural authority. And worst of all, he might be able to distract me from my relationship with the Holy Spirit. We also need to have a constant thought pattern of how can I bring salvation into through Christ into this room. I believe we're called to to plant seed and to to bring salvation to others through Christ. This leads me uh, to the next piece of the armor of God. The breastplate of righteousness. I believe that the outward expression of the breastplate of righteousness is having a heart of righteousness. Google's top definition of righteousness is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. Come on, through Christ this morning, we are made morally right and justifiable through Him. Now, I was saving this thought for another message, but I thought this is important and I need to share this. I was sitting at home um, and I was writing, writing another message for, for a camp um, that I did plan on going to, but things changed. Um, but anyway, the thought was, if my heart is the center of who I am and who I'm supposed to be, then why is my heart like mostly on the left? And for those of you like wordplay and puns and whatnot, 
You love this, but I believe the Lord said to me, I put it on the left to remind you that what's in your heart isn't always right. I say it again. I put it on, I put it on the left to remind you what's in your heart isn't always right. Man, when I heard that, I had like the biggest brain blast day. I thought it was legit. I couldn't handle it. I was in my room being like, what? But when I was in Dunedin, I went back to my home church for a month. And one of the sermons that Pastor Will gave was legit. He had heard a, he had heard a sermon by someone else, and he, he ex, then he had explained it, and how he he had heard a sermon by someone else, and he and how they explained it, and he thought it was incredible, and was like, "Wow, this is great! I need to share this with my church." And then I hear that, and then I hear Pastor Will, and I go, "Wow, this is incredible! I need to share this with my church in Cromwell." Because just like our salvation, I believe that knowledge um, is designed to be shared with so that we can bring glory to the kingdom of heaven. So here it is. The Bible, so the Bible was originally written, uh, and it's an original language. They used, um, they, have, they have like a form of the word. Um, let me read this right. So they had a form of the word, but they also have a function of the word. Um, kind of like how we would have a noun and then they would have an implied verb to, to a lot of what they were saying. So when it came to righteousness, that was often used as the form of the word, but the function of the word that would always follow was generosity. So when something is described as being righteous in the Bible, it was always talking about, it was also talking about being gen- how generous or, or generosity. In fact, if you look up the original, the, the words origin, uh, the two words literally look and sound the same. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't find my notes on this, so I don't have the words. But the two cents I want to add uh, to what to what these guys were saying was that any form of undeserved generosity is an act of love. Generosity is the most co- is commonly associated. With giving material material things, whether that be presents or money, but come on, generosity can be way more than that. With it's it's words we choose to speak over someone. It's the high fives we choose to give. It's the service that we slave over for someone. It's simply even spending time with others. Doing all this for the people around us without anything that benefits us as individual is a righteous act from the heart. It's an outward expression that says we need to value people and bringing glory to Him more than ourselves. That's why the church exists. That's why we do fancy morning tea. That's why we get behind red frogs, sacrifice our Friday nights and sometimes even our weekends for youth. And that's why we also have World Vision Nights because we believe in bringing glory to Him and loving other people. But it does say in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. As I've just said, he as I've just said, we do all that all that we do comes from our heart. But we need to be careful of what we let in our heart. A quote from a street performer called Matt Silver, I said on camera while performing, that we are always doing what's in our heart. We can't get away from our heart. We need to keep our heart focused on loving others and loving God the Father so that we can keep our hearts pure and that we, can go where gen- that we can go where our generosity and the calling that has God placed in our hearts 
rather than the desires that we may have for instead. Another sneaky point that I'm pretty sure I heard from uh, Pastor Esther Greenwood first is that as society, we need to let our frustrations become our passions. Come on, let's not let bitterness into our hearts, but let's instead choose to talk about what drives us and to the drives us up the wall rather than let, it get, let us get bitter. Let us be the change that we want to see rather than seeing nothing happen at all and getting sad. <laughs> but the, the last item I want to touch on this morning is also is called the belt of truth. I believe the design of the belt is to hold things together, to make sure that we don't look like fools with our pants on the ground, and that we... <laughs> And that what I believe is that the, truth, the belt of truth is what holds, us, what holds it all together. Why would I believe in something when, I, when there's no truth to back it up? We need to understand the truths and the promises the Bible holds are real. If we get ourselves wrapped around who... What, sorry, I typed this up really late and my grandma's coming out now. <laughs> If we, if we get ourselves wrapped around um, the truth and what, and what we're called to and who we are, then I believe we would be, then I believe there would be a lot more passionate Christians out there. I believe that if we knew and we understood the reality of what kind of battle we were in and the kinds of plans the enemy has in store for us, I think there would be a lot more stronger prayers out there. In fact, even looking at Mark 11, 22 to 24, after Jesus returned, and after Jesus turned a fig tree um, and withered it uh, by cursing it, he responds to Peter saying, Have faith in God. Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go and throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they will say happen, it will be done. Therefore I tell you, Whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it, and it will be yours. Believe what you have, what you have, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Every time I read this, I swear my 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 prayer life grows heaps. I think it's incredible. Everything that you believe, you will receive it. In fact, I've actually got this little book. It's in my red bag over there. I won't, I won't get it out now. If you want to look at it after the service, I'm more than happy to show you. But it's called my What Am I Believing For book. And what I do with this book is I write down everything that I'm praying into. And I leave space. I write down the day that it happens, and then I leave space for when the day it happens. I do this because, you know, I want a record saying that actually I did pray into this and actually... This is, a, this is an incredible thing that I used to develop and grow my faith. Um, and it's also an incredible tool for saying, actually, here's testimony of what God's been doing. There's a truth into what I'm praying into. And that there's a reality that God is wanting to see what I want to see too. I believe that he uses our testimonies to encourage one another and our walk with, with him and to help build and trust in the Lord. I'll give you a story about my year so far, uh, a testimony of what God's been doing and how, and how he really is provider and how his word is true. When I was looking into jobs, I finally got an interview at, here in Cromwell. 
But when I when I actually, when I applied for it, um, they said oh, they were, they said they were keen for me, that but they really wanted someone else instead. Um, so they offered me like a, a sneaky little ten hours a week, and um, so I thought about it, and I knew this was I knew this, um, and I knew that if I had this job in the bag, then I'd have another one in the bag too. Um, but someone told me that it would simply not be enough that I would, I would end up in debt, that I wouldn't be able to do the daily on a daily basis um, in terms of my financial needs. Um, but the reality is, is I went through 2016 and I learned and I knew the truth that God is provider above all. Um, 2016 was a, oh, nah, that was a messy year, but it was so good. Uh, there was lots of financial testimony from that. So how can I go through a year like that and not expect another year to happen? Um, So, you know, I don't, or, so, you know, that if, if God can feed the sparrows every day, then surely he can feed me. You know, I know, that, so, I don't know where the rest of the money went, but, you know, Tui and I set aside $20 a week for groceries. And, and over those three weeks, uh, I think we went grocery shopping like four times a day, probably like that. And then we might have done a couple of top-ups and... So realistically, we spent about maybe $120 on groceries for three months. Um, I think that's pretty insane. <laughs> Not possible. Um, and that's if I'm being generous as well. Uh, on top of that, there was sometimes things would just appear out of like nowhere. Like when we got our microwave, that just kind of turned up and we didn't expect it at all. But it was such a blessing. Um, as for petrol money, I have no clue how that thing exists. Um, <laughs> But while I've been here, my laptop and my iPhone have both died, which they're pretty... I mean, yes, they're, very, they're great tools for being unproductive, but at the same time, um, they were definitely being used in productive ways in terms of communication, and also we were doing a lot of our church videos. Um, we would, I, I was making a lot of them on that, and I was also using it for other work uh, purposes, like doing working for clients and whatnot. Um, but yeah, they died, and, and I was like, okay, God, I need, I need, I need these, um, and I've only got money for one of them. Um, so I prayed into it. Um, soon enough, I, I looked, in and I got, I got a new phone, um, and you know, I, it was such a blessing. We had, me and two were at someone else's dinner, for dinner that night, and you know, we ended up, I ended up, she showed me this phone that was for sale when it was the one I was wanting um, to the letter, except it was significantly cheaper than, than the one I was looking at um, on different sites on one day that would only appear once a day or on one day, um, once every two weeks. Um, so I was pretty stoked about that. And then on top of that, I don't know how it happened, but I also managed to get an iPad. And then just as I came back, I managed to get myself a new desktop computer, which is a lot better than my laptop. So all in all, um, I did pay for it with my own money, but I have no idea where the money came from a lot of the time. Um, it just seemed to appear out of nowhere. Um, I was thinking about buying a lot of the stuff with course right at a cost, but you know, it just appeared. Um, but on top of that, um, I've also got another testimony that, you know, if I believe that God is really provider and that I really put my, and that when I put my trust in Him, He's going to provide, 
Well, Wednesday morning came and I said, right, James, you're going to feel convicted to sponsor a child, but you need to remember that you have no money right now. Don't do it. It's a trap. Um, well, Wednesday, Wednesday night comes and, you know, suddenly the thought hit me, do I actually live blessed? Well, yes, is, is God provider? Yes, I do believe that. Okay, God, I'll give you $40 a month if, if, if you know, I'm sure I can commit to $40 a month anymore, and it's a, it's a no deal. Nah. Um, so the man got at the front, and he says $50 a month. Now, for me, I, I'll use $10. <laughs> but um, the reality is, is that I thought stuff it. Uh, my God loves me. Um, my God also loves Angela. So I stepped out. Um, I stepped out in faith, and you know, I ex- I'm now doing. I'm now sponsoring a child um, called Angela. Um, and I expect, you know, I expect that through through what God's blessed me with, that I'm going to be able to be a blessing to, to her as well. Um, because the truth is that my God will never set me up for failure. The truth is that my God is provider. My God will never abandon me. He will never forsake me. He is my salvation. And his righteous heart calls me justified because the truth is he loves me. But this morning I want to make it clear. I don't say this to to boast in my faith or to boast in my ability. Um, If I didn't have God, I I wouldn't have anything. Um, And I say this because... The same God that has my back also has your back. The same God that loves me also loves you. He's your provider. He won't abandon you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. He is your salvation. You are made righteous in His image. And that is the truth. But you know, sometimes we believe the wrong truths. Sometimes we we listen to the lies that the enemy tells us. The enemy will tell you in your ear that and say that you're not good enough that you are crazy, you are not pretty enough, you're disgusting, you have no friends and you are alone. All of that is a straight up lie of the enemy. Nothing more, nothing less. It's all a lie. But when we listen to a lie, I believe our belt of truth begins to tighten and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter, so tight that we stop moving. That this belt of ours becomes so tight that we cut the circulation from falling to our legs. See, see, the enemy knows it's easier to hit a target that doesn't move. If we can't move, we, we can't step into blessing. We can't step into provision. And even though God will never stop loving you, sometimes it causes us to, to refrain from acknowledging and stepping into his love. By this point, the belt of truth is so tight and has got you so paralyzed that it's no longer a belt of truth, but a belt of insecurity and or pride. To put it in a nutshell, insecurity says, God won't help me. Pride says, God can't help me. Both of which are a lie. The truth says that God will help you. But again, insecurity says, God won't help me. Pride says, God can't help me. This morning, I want to say, tempt the truth. God can help you. God will help you. He is your salvation in all circumstances. No matter how you feel or what you are going through, He calls you righteous, and that is the truth. I think the number one truth that that is well known and a foundational scripture for many people is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, and that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Did you hear the key sentence that describes the truth in God's promise? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him and shall not perish but have eternal life. The truth says whoever believes in Him shall not perish. Shall not perish but have eternal life. Come on, that's a promise this morning. As I was saying at the start of my message, we, what we wear can define so much of who we are to ourselves and the people around us. It can be an outward reflection of what is going on on the inside. This week as we step out into our lives, I pray that you can wear the armour of God well. That although people may not see the physical properties, they will see the effects of it. They will see salvation, they'll see a righteous heart, they'll see the truth. And I pray that you carry the armour, that as you carry the armour, you will also start to see God working through your life. But you know, sometimes, I, sometimes we tell ourselves it's hard and we don't know how to carry the armour that God has given us. If, it, if, that is, if, that it, if that is used, just simply say, God, help me to carry this. Teach me how to carry your salvation. Teach me how to carry our righteous heart and be generous. Teach me to know your truth because he'll show up. Just keep pressing into him. Come on, God wants to show you how to be righteous. God wants to show you what salvation looks like. If you want to know it, you just got to ask Him and keep believing that you have it. The last song we're going to finish with is called Fortress. I know it's... I've known it for a while, but it came out on Friday officially um, on the new album. You would have also heard it earlier this morning, but yesterday as I wrote out this message, I sat and I filmed it um, out, by the, out by the lake at Cromwell. But the words say, but the words go on to say in the chorus, You are my fortress, you are my rock in the raging sea. You are my fortress, but you still find your home in me. Come on. The armor of God this morning is an outward reflection of what's going on internally. Our God lives in us, and we are his fortress, and he is in ours. And he, he are, we are, and he is ours. As we sing this morning, if you want prayer for anything, if you need to learn to trust God for provision or for healing or for anything else, then Shannon and I are happy to pray with you and believe with you. Because I tell you now, prayer, your, prayer is come, or your prayer is coming. you just got to put your faith into action. You've got to put your trust into action. You've got to know, that, that, you know that your God is bigger than your circumstances. As for those who don't want prayer, as we sing, tell God that you're wearing the armor of God. That you're wearing whatever He's given you. That He is an unshakable fortress. And as you wear the, as you wear the armor, you outwardly reflect that God is working inwardly within you. But if you want prayer for anything, anything at all, then this is your space and this is your time. So, Father, I pray that as we go into this week, Lord, that we can carry your, your, your helmet of salvation, your righteous heart, your breastplate of righteousness, and your belt of truth. That we can go into whatever situation, Father, and we can know you're there with us. That we can know that you're our provider, our healer, Lord God, our foundation. That we can rest in your name. That we can rest on the cross that you've given us, Lord God. The freedom that is found in you, Father. And I pray, Lord God, that we can step into your truths, Lord God. We can understand uh, the Bible, the word that you've given us. And we can know the truth that it carries. And the promises that it holds for us, Lord, as we step into our week. Amen.